Hello everybody and welcome to this audio podcast. I'm the host Squidge Pangaro, filmmaker, emo and artist. I believe that podcasting is an art form and as such I like to experiment. I produce short podcasts and I've also produced long podcasts. This week is no different as for the first time ever I will have a guest with me. Also this podcast was designed so that my friends will get to hear me talk and that they will talk, hear me talk with another person. It's, we're going to talk about a subject that I'm interested in and I hope many of you find it informative. So please give a warm welcome to my special guest, Tarquin. Hello. Nice to be here. Thanks for talking with me. Not a problem. So please tell me what you do and what your job entails. Okay, well I'm a project worker at SIN, which is the Sex Industry Network, and uh, we uh, educate sex workers in best practice around their uh, safe sex uh, work practices, Uh, and my particular program is a new one we've just got funding for, which is for the transgendered community. Right, so um, so SIN is like an advocate, or...? Um, part ag- advocacy is part of our uh, contract to the government. Um, our main part of our contract is uh, HIV prevention. Uh, but in that, with sex work, um, best practice is the best prevention. Uh, best practice can only happen uh, in a decriminalised setting. Um, at the moment in South Australia, sex work is still largely criminalised, which is a major obstacle uh, around that. So in that, uh, SIN has, and it's unusual to many organisations like it, and part of our contract is to advocate and to pursue anything, including law reform, that will have a best practice outcome. And so is there many um, transgendered um, sex workers? Yes, uh, I think, and I don't have any uh, up-to-date figures on this, uh, but from my own experience over the last year, I think the uh, transgender community is almost up to around about 15% of the sex worker community. And um, is it a safe profession? Yes, it is. Uh, Like any job, uh, it has its risks. But like any job, when you work in the parameters of best practice, all those risks can be uh, looked at and uh, avoided. So what exactly constitutes sex work? Well, uh, sex work is uh, under the law. Uh, Anything that gives some type of uh, sexual gratification is uh, sex work in the sense of uh, prostitution per se. But sex workers can be strippers, any you know anything that in, involves you know sexuality and sex um, can come under that umbrella of sex workers, like peep shows and um, yes, yeah, they would be considered sex workers. And uh, do they provide any other services such as other than sex work? Could you like you know pay them for like a couple of hours in a so just to talk to them or? Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, in the sense of. Uh, sex workers uh, and sex for sale, uh, you have many genres in which people work. Uh, the escort genre in particular uh, often entails uh, long amounts of time spent with the client uh, 
doing things other than having sex and it's not unusual to get overnight bookings or bookings that will last a couple of days where you are actually a companion as well as a, a sex partner. So it can last for a couple of days? Yes, or, or even longer. I mean, just depending on the uh, socio-economic background of your customer, it's, it's really a matter of what people can afford. Um, but yeah, definitely the, you know, people that are travelling on great wages uh, in a st another town uh, often may uh, keep uh, the employment of someone for a number of days or see that same person uh, every night for a few hours when they're in time right. in town. Um, may I ask, how did, you get, uh, how did you first started to get involved with SIN? Um, well... Uh, I've been a sex worker since I was in my early 20s. Um, I've, I've been aware of these organisations uh, over the years as they've grown as I've become more involved in the industry. Uh, with my agencies in Queensland in the early 90s, uh, I became very involved with the sex worker organisation up there, Squizzy. Uh, that has since uh, finished. Uh, their funding was from private sector and was withdrawn, but since they now have federal government funding, uh, and have set up a number of agencies uh, in the north uh, of Queensland, in the east of Queensland. So I want to ask, what would drive somebody to become a sex worker? Um, I think pretty much the same thing that drives us all to get up every morning and get ready and go to whatever job we do. Uh, it's to earn a living, um, to make ends meet, to put foods in our mouth and look after our families and communities. So how can sex workers protect, protect themselves? Are there any regulations? Uh, not in this state. Uh, there aren't any regulations. Um, and sadly to say, often regulations aren't always the best form of protection. Um, they can sometimes hinder that. Um, what would be a better alternative? Well, we believe decriminalisation is a far better way than regulation. Uh, there are plenty of laws uh, and uh, within the health department guidelines and, and laws that uh, in the general community that we all abide by uh, that would more than cover uh, the needs of sex workers um, to make their job safer. Um, the main thing that we miss out without uh, legalisation is our health and safety uh, and uh, the basic rights that the rest of the community is afforded at work. Yeah. Uh, we are negated those rights. Right, so there's no um, laws or bills surrounding this? As I said, in other states there are. Um, but in this state? In this state, at, at this stage, there is nothing uh, at all as, as far as a requirement. Uh, once again, though, these, some of these requirements are more hindrance than not. Um, one of which is the, the regularity of testing for STIs. Um, it's been proven that sex workers have a, a far uh, higher level of um, personal and safe sex practices than the average person anyway because it's their job. Um, so it's not a matter of you don't have to force these people into looking after themselves. It's their bread and butter. Uh, and so they do it normally. Um, in other states, they have made uh, STI testing very frequent, uh, and what it does do is that it puts in a false sense of security. 
there are window periods and all these tests uh, that we do to this date, an STI test still will take a number of days uh, and creates a window period. Um, no one uh, can know that uh, they're clear in that window period. So the idea of extremely frequent STI testing uh, doesn't mean that the industry is safer. Uh, if anything, uh, it could um, make it less safe because people assume, you know, okay, you test all the time, you couldn't have anything, we don't need to take precautions. Um, and that's generally the pressure that comes from clients in these regulated industries. Um, and of course, best practice is always to use condoms and to use every uh, method to ensure uh, you know, no STI contact can take place. Yeah, I heard it's pretty stringent before um, a sex worker works with a client. They have to do a blood test or they have to check? Not in this state, okay. once again. In Victoria, uh, and in their brothel system, where they have uh, licensed brothels, there is a requirement that a sex worker must turn in a, a clear STI certificate. I'm not sure on the period of time. They've changed it a number of times since they bought their laws in, in early 2000. Um, around three months is, uh, is about the best period. Any shorter than that, and you really are creating a false sense of security. You're not making anything safer or less safe uh, by using that timeline. Um, and of course, when there is a lot of uh, stringency around testing, and as happened in Victoria, people will move away from the legal industry. Um, if you can't get to your doctor, uh, so therefore you can't work, you can't pay your bills. Mm -hmm. So when people are forced into that situation, they'll often go outside the regulations and work anyway. Uh, so I, I think it's far better uh, to work with sex workers around what works for them mm. uh, in establishing a, a, a be best practice ideal around testing it around every three months. So if we uh, decriminalise sex work, um, would we be able to um, control the occupational health and safety a lot better? Definitely. Once uh, any profession is legal, uh, in Australia because of uh, our good laws, uh, OCH health and safety is applicable. Uh, so uh, even just something as simple as the uh, people in a closed space smoking, uh, these premises at the moment aren't legal places of business, so those types of laws can't be imposed upon them. Uh, so that's just one very uh, simple but very obvious uh, part of OCH health and safety that uh, sex workers are negated from. Uh, also, just uh, the setup of premises um, in states where uh, it's illegal, like South Australia, you'll have a lot of parlours operating. They may have four rooms uh, where uh, sex work takes place, but they may only have one bathroom. So, therefore, you know, you've got eight people every hour needing a shower. Uh, obviously, someone's going to miss out, you know. Um, and things like that. So that's where we feel that decriminalisation will help sex workers because uh, then the businesses that uh, offer these services and employ sex workers will have to comply with the, the greater law of the state.
I've heard like in some places in Amsterdam where it's been decriminalized that the book for sex workers is like thick as a phone book. Uh, you mean the book of registered sex workers? Yeah, and uh, the the legal stuff. The, um oh, the, the the legal jargon that they've gone through to regulate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean this has been any type of sex work legislation or and legal processes have been going on for centuries. So there is a, a large compilation of laws and things like that that have been bought in, taken away, bought back, tweaked, mm-hmm. twisted and changed. So it does make for a rather large body of work. Um, but overall, nothing really much has changed in sex work over the century. It, it still is driven by the same normal uh, human needs uh, on both sides, from the client's point of view and from the uh, sex worker's point of view. Um, and once again, you know, the, the more uh, legislated it is, the more confusing it becomes for both parties. Uh, and once again, why in South Australia, uh, sex workers would much prefer to have a decriminalised model than a legislated one. Right. Um, maybe I'm ignorant, but uh, I believe that sometimes sex workers are like, they're ruled by a pimp, and like in times past, they will be taken care by a, a madam. Who would actually take care of the girls instead of beating on them? Well, uh, I don't know that there's a, a real gender around pimp or madam. Uh, it's really just the person. Um, and uh, I think in anything, there are good or bad. You know, there are uh, some uh, pimps or madams that, that do look after their staff particularly well. Uh, and make sure they have everything. And of course, on the other hand, there are some that are very ready to exploit their workers in every way they can. Again, we come back to laws. Uh, when something's decriminalised, the, the power of the pimp or the madam is diminished greatly uh, because the sex worker has the state to protect it. Uh, as at the moment, often uh, the pimp or the madam uh, will maintain that they're protecting the sex worker from the state as such, uh, which is you know, something that just doesn't work. It's not protecting them, it's controlling them. So, yeah, that does happen. Um, but, you know, hopefully we are moving further and further away from that. But there will always be a, a, an aspect of that, I do believe, in the industry. Um, once again, that's human nature, and it happens in all you know, uh, well not in all but many professions. Um, I come from a hairdressing background. Yeah. In my uh, first few years of hairdressing, I worked around 60 hours a week, yeah. was paid for 40, yeah. uh, and was very much exploited. Um, as a female in hairdressing, there's plenty of sexual harassment. So, yeah. you know, it exists everywhere. It's not something that's particular only to the sex industry. Yeah, um, I mean, on that, a lot of uh, sex workers do like to, you know, keep their profession private mm-hmm. uh, and uh, don't want to wear their profession on the sleeve. Mm-hmm. But then there are a lot of us that also that are, are becoming activists. Um, I think largely because um, the political climate in Australia in general really demands activism. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a situation with uh, each state at the moment has a different law. Uh, which is, can be very confusing uh, for sex workers, um, whereas, you know, we're one country, most would assume that our criminal law is similar across, mm. uh, yet you can go, you know, from state to state and 
find that in, in some states you can work quite legally. New South Wales, uh, they have a, a decriminalised model where they brought legislation into it. Um, you can still work on the street um, in certain areas legally. And then, of course, you come to Adelaide, uh, where street work is completely illegal. Um, and you are, you know, it is quite possible that you will be picked up and charged. So, um, yeah, that's just one of the many inequities of the industry here. So, um, so in phone books, I always see, like, there's a separate page for escorts. Is yeah. that... What is that? Um, I think the escort thing in the yellow pages is, is what I've always called as, like, a, an international uh, term. Um, it's somewhat um, oh, can't think of the word. ambivalent. It really doesn't say anything, uh, and that's why it's used. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that it, it's sex that is for sale. And again, you'll find in Victoria, uh, they have a section uh, for brothels. Yeah. You know, so the escort section has, has really just been created by magazines and uh, directories. Uh, to find a legal way for them to advertise the industry um, as when an industry is illegal it's also illegal to advertise it mm. um, so that's where the escort section comes into it and when you look at that, you'll, uh, those advertisements you'll find that there's very little uh, mention about sex itself mm. um, and often it will just be represented by <coughs> attractive people uh, photos of attractive people or drawings of attractive people, phone numbers and uh, nice uh, resort type names of the businesses. Uh, <clears throat> so it's all very non-specific, um, which of course leaves uh, the person uh, that's doing the phone a, a wider avenue to kind of uh, say yes or no to different clients, you know, uh, to what level of service is provided. It also, uh, as escorts, um, opposed to in parlours, highlights the fact that sex workers aren't obligated to do anything. You know, as an escort, you're paid for your time. Yeah. Uh, sex really, in that setting, is a favour, uh, and that's why it can be considered legal. Uh, but that genre of work is very empowering to sex workers, uh, so that they only do the you know the services that they wish to do uh, is in a parlour. Uh, you can often that services are broken down more, and so a person might go in and, and actually pay uh, for a specific special uh, sexual act, or they may pay an extra fee, a fantasy fee, mm -hmm. for a more unusual uh, sexual act. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in all the different types of people, different ways of having sex. You know. Mm. Different like BDSM and furries and all sorts of diapering and all yeah different catered to different clients. Yes, um, <clears throat> although you, uh, you mentioned a few things there which are kind of fetishes, um, they all probably come into a very small percentage of the clientele. Uh, I think the vast majority of clients are making use of the sex industry. Uh, the majority are looking for more mainstream, normal services, uh, yeah. But th there always has been and always will be a, a kink and fantasy market out there. Um, it tends to be sometimes a little bit fashion-based, mm -hmm. as uh, B&D 
is very you know kind of fashionable at the moment uh, in the early 2000 uh, pregnant women seem to take a bit of a, a front line as a, a fashionable thing um, of course the transgender and the male uh, uh, parts of the industry have also had their kind of uh, time in the sun and, and with transsexuals and that I think that's always uh, that's a growing thing but I think that's that's uh, you know, one of the few areas, it, as I said, it's kind of a fashion thing. I think it's with a lot of young guys, you know, they, they want to try everything these days um, <clears throat> in the realms of what they may consider uh, normal connections with people. So uh, rather than the BDSM and the diaper and golden showers, all those which I would class more of a, a kink uh, than anything, you know. So it's about connections. Yeah, it, it is. It's all about people connections. Yeah, um, and yeah, it, it's a, a trade of what one person needs, uh, trading with another person for what they need. You know, um, and in most situations, it is a, a, a very fair exchange. What is the politically correct term for sex workers? Is it whores or is it uh, sex worker? Okay, sex worker. I think you know it is internationally probably the most resoundingly popular term at the moment. Um, I heard that uh, the word whore was being taken back the uh, same way that the word queer is being taken back by the queer. Yeah, uh, I think that's more an internal thing though. That that's as far as uh, uh, people embracing uh, themselves and words used to describe themselves rather than. Uh, letting them be a word that is um, objectifies them or singles them out as whore has been used. So by sex workers taking that back and owning that name, owning the word, it diminishes the power to people using it in a derogatory sense. Right, so it's sex worker. Yes, yes. And, and I think the same with queer people. Uh, it, when... Uh, Queer people call themselves queer or puffs or whatever. Yeah. Uh, when they use the terms that the the straight society think are derogatory, it very quickly disempowers that word. Uh, and so, you know, when someone calls you a queer, it's kind of yeah. And so what? Uh, as if if when you don't own something, it is more of an insult. So, what's next for sin? Well, we, uh, we've just moved. Um, we're now at 276 Henley Beach Road mm -hmm. um, in Underdale, um, and this is uh, the first uh, time we've been away from AXA, our funder. Uh, we're all on our own in our own premises now. Um, this year, you know, high on our agenda is law reform, um, and we're hoping that we may get somewhere this year, uh, although uh, there has been no success in the past, um, and these things. Yeah, move very, very slowly. Um, but our, our, you know, main core business will always be looking after the, the health and welfare of sex workers um, and advocating and helping them in any way we can uh, to make their life as equitable as everybody else's life in society. Yes, I'm glad someone is looking out for them. Yes, yeah. Well, it's been wonderful talking with you. I really, really appreciate it. And if people want to learn more, uh, where can they go? Right, they can uh, come in and see us at uh, 70, 276 Henley Beach Road um, in Underdale. And I 
do have a phone number which I will pass on to you later okay. and you can uh, attach to this and they can give us a call there anytime, Tuesday to Friday uh, and uh, we have uh, discounted uh, safe sex products um, we have lots of literature, advocacy, uh, counselling uh, anything that a sex worker may need, they can come to SIN and uh, if we can't provide it, we will help them connect with the service that they need. Do you also have a, like a website? Uh, we're, that's under construction at the moment. Um, uh, I think there might be something very basic at uh, sin.com.au, but I'm not really sure on that. Uh, but later in the year, we will have <coughs> a better, more fully functioning website. So, yeah. At the moment, it really is just fine and, and dropping contact. Um, I will put those on the show notes, the, the links for the, for the episode, so my listeners can follow up. That would so, be great. Yeah. So thank you very much, Tarquin. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Squidge. Uh, it's always good to uh, let people know uh, what's out there and uh, that uh, there is always you know, something there for sex workers and we can support them um, and uh, make the whole community a better place. Thank you. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, have a nice night, and uh, thanks for listening. Good night.